that are just not the same. The hugs and the kisses and we're made for fellowship. We're made for fellowship. Like person-to-person fellowship, amen? And we thank God for this time. We're going to enjoy it as much as possible. We're going to, you know, uh, we're not fretting about it. Praise the Lord. But we're looking forward to even more times of fellowship together with everyone. This morning, I'm going to be talking um, about repentance, recovery, and recompense. Repentance, recovery, and recompense. And I'm talking about this morning because the Spirit of God just, um, you know, began to make me see again that even in this season that we are dealing with, and it's amazing that the whole world is dealing with the same thing at the same time. So God wants to remind us that there is usually a process in this, and that it's not only the things that we are facing, but that there is going to be recovery, and that there is even taking place even right now, and recompense. I mean, we've already begin to talk, uh, begun to talk about it in different ways, talking about how, you know, God always makes sure that his people comes out, you know, with goods and a lot of stuff after a period of trouble. But one of the things that we know, and I, that, is, that is, I believe that there is an agreement in the body of Christ, that this is not just something that is about the enemy. That as a matter of fact, this that is going on right now is also serving as a wake-up call, especially to the church, to the nations too, but especially to the church. And so one of the things that happens during this time is, uh, or one of the things that should be happening, or one of the reasons, or when one of the responses to this wake-up call is repentance. Amen? Is repentance. And then, There's a process of recovery, and then there is recompense. And we're going to look at it, and we're going to look at it as a nation. You know, we're looking at it that there is a part of the nations of the world, and there is a part of the the body of Christ, and there is a part of us as individuals. Because we have a relationship with God that is one-on-one. Amen? And then we have, we live in this world and then we belong to, or we, 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 we are located in a particular um, nation. And so we'll turn real quick, and you can put it up there, Second Chronicles chapter 7, from verse 12. Hallelujah. I just want to define real quick what repentance is. Repentance is to change your mind, turn from sin, and we know that there are certain things that we, we know are seen, like adultery, fornication, and all of that. Stealing, killing, destroying, lying, cheating. But there is also a place where sin is also unbelief. Sin is also knowing to do good and not doing it. All of these things are scriptural definitions of sin. And so, but so to repent of this sin is to repent, to change your mind about it, to change your attitude, to turn from it, to dedicate yourself to the amendment of your life. Amen? And so you change things. You, you, you change things. You dedicate yourself to changing things in your life. That's what true repentance is. Repentance, like, it's not, it's not the popular, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. No, that's, more, that's not what repentance is. 
Repentance is you turn around. You turn around. You were going in one direction before that was wrong. You turn around and you start going. You make the adjustment and you start going in the right direction. That is what it means to repent. It's not to say I'm sorry because you were caught with your hand in the cookie jar. No, well, you actually understand that this thing I'm doing is wrong. And I, I want to change it. I need to change it. And so that's one, one of the um, definitions of um, repentance. Now, in 2 Corinthians 7.12, the Bible says that, okay, I will just give you a background story before I begin to read from verse 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we see Solomon dedicating the temple in Israel. And he's dedicating the temple and making sacrifices and praying so actually, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 is a response to Solomon's prayer that he made in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 when he was dedicating the temple. So Solomon had begun to ask the Lord, he said, he said, we want you to make, we ask that you make this place, that you accept this place and make it a place where people will come and be healed, you know, and you will hear them. People will come and make sacrifices. People will come and ask for forgiveness, and you will forgive them for their sins. And so he began to talk about different things, like, and even so far as, even when people, people face the direction of the temple, that you will heal, you will hear, because you have chosen this place for yourself. And as I began to read it, I was like, wow, praise God that we're no longer in, in the times where we have to be at a particular location for God to hear us. We don't need to face the direction of the church for God to hear us. That God has chosen to live on the inside of us. This is a serious privilege and sometimes we just take things for granted. But I believe that we, we, are, we, are not, we don't do that anymore, especially in these times. Amen? We're going to turn around from taking things for granted. Taking people for granted. Taking the good things that God has done for us for granted. Taking coming to church for granted. Hallelujah. Amen. But anyway, so that's what was going on. And then in the night, in 2 Corinthians, um, 2 Chronicles verse 7, the Bible says that then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. And you know why that is significant, that God will come and say, yes, I have accepted. He asked, but that doesn't mean that God would have sanctioned it or say, yes, this is what's going to happen in this temple. He asked, this is God's desire. And it's important for us to know that God accepts or God has chosen us. Now, one of the things that we need to remember in John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. For us to be able to choose God, God has to have chosen us first. And God chose us first so that we can choose him. And you know, this is significant for many reasons. And when we are praying, and we're going to see some more things as we read, when we are praying and we are believing God as new covenant believers, and we are seeing, walking in wondering, am I, am I righteous? Am I good enough to come before God? Then this becomes significant. That you didn't just choose him. And so you can't feel like, oh, you know what, I, I chose God, so maybe he doesn't really want me here right now. No. But he chose you first, even before you chose him. And we need to know that God is our God. He's our father, but he's also our king. And you don't just walk into the presence of the king without being invited in. 
Nobody just goes before the king. Come on, people are just going to shoot you down or something because who knows? Who knows who you are, right, in the natural? But anyway, one of the things that we see is that God chose us as our king, as his king. He chose us to have access into his presence. And choosing us to have access into his presence now also means that we have access to him as our father. So he's our God, he's our king, but he's our father. And he chose and he decided that it should be this way. And so that's why this is really significant that God came to him and said, and said, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And one of the things we need to remember is that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are now the temple of God. God has made us holy. He has brought us to the place and righteous, holy and righteous, so that he can live in us. And he now lives in us. So we don't need to look for the temple in Jerusalem. We don't need to go on no pilgrimages anywhere. Now, if you want to go look at all of those things and find out about the ancient past, that's not a problem. But we need to know that right where we are, in our temples, in our homes, in our churches, in our schools, we could be in the tiniest of closets. God is with us because now he lives on the inside of us. And he chose it. It was deliberate. He chose it. So we don't ever have to feel like I'm not good enough or God doesn't love me enough. No, he chose. He chose. Amen. And so let's look at um, verse 13. It says here in verse 13, media in verse 13, he says, At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Sounds like what we are going through right now, right? And one of the things that we need to understand when we are reading the Old Covenant is to see that God is the permissive word that is being used. And God had told the people over and over and over again. And he said to them, he said, look, if you, if you follow my commands, if you obey me, if you walk in my ways, all of these things will have no way to come to you. Because scriptures tell us that he that breaks the hedge, the serpent will bite. And one of the things that is happening is because people are looking at sin and just it doesn't really matter doing what they like and all of those things. And they give the enemy a foothold and an opportunity to get to them. And just like the devil is a liar, he causes people to sin, do things, and then he turns around and blames God and says that it's God that is bringing all this sickness, this disease, and all of these things on you. And what people forget many times that is you give the enemy an opportunity by sin. And it's not just the sin of the do's and don'ts, but also the sin of not trusting or believing in God. The sin of depending more on other things, depending more on yourself, depending more on doctors, depending more on the economic situation and your bank account, sta- uh, account statement. That's one of the things. Those are the things that, that, that open the door to experience less than God's best in those areas. And so God was saying, however... He says, when all of these things happen, verse 14 says, then if my people who are called by my name, don't you just love God? You see his mercy. He says, even though all of these things come, you have a way out. You are not stuck. You are not stuck. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. Now, let me go back to that. He says, then if my people who are called by my name, the people of God, he's talking to you and I. 
will humble themselves, will understand that help comes from God. Because one of the things that I see happening over and over, even in this situation, and I pray that believers all over the nations are changing their mind, that there is still so much dependence on natural things, that people are going around and calling the doctors and the, and the, the, the nurses and all of those things heroes, and they are forgetting the, the pastors. They are forgetting the people of God who are praying, who are believing God. They are forgetting that the people that they should be looking at as help, the ultimate help on the front lines are God's people, which translates to them putting God as number one. Because if God is not there, if the people of God are not praying, then there is no salvation. And we see very from scriptures that it's because of the people of God on earth that God's hand that, that, that there is protection. There is protection and evil is being stayed. It's being held back because of you and I on this earth. Now, am I saying that they're not doing, they're not courageous up there in the front line? Get what I'm saying. That you and I, we need to, part of our repentance needs to be saying, wow, the people of the nation should be saying, the church, there is help in the church. And I think that it says a lot when they are driving pastors and the church indoors, instead of saying, help us any way that you can, we know that there is help in God. Any way that you are willing because there is help in God. There is healing in God. And I pray that in this time we will reevaluate and begin to look and think about how is the church supposed to fare in times like this? How are we supposed to? This is the time where we are supposed to shine the light of God. Where we are supposed to be talking about there is healing. But I've met so many, so many, so many, so many who are running away. Who are afraid of the deadly disease. Why are you afraid? Now, I might say put yourself in harm's way, but there is a difference between taking yourself out of a place where you should not go because God didn't send you there and a situation where you are like, hey, 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 this is, this is the only way you can be helped. And, it, and it's different when we say, look, if you need healing, you need prayer, there is healing in God. We are spiritually immune. That's the mindset that the church should have. And if it's you... And I know that this is, not, this is not about pointing fingers. This is about us getting to this place because the Bible says that Jesus is coming for a glorious church. This is a church who knows who they are. A church who is not afraid. The Bible says that Jesus went. He healed many. He cleansed the lepers. That's one of the, the, the contagious diseases that we, we've heard about in scriptures, right? But Jesus didn't run away from the lepers because he carried healing in him. And I believe that we are, we are getting to a place where the nations of the world will begin to recognize that there is healing in the name of Jesus. Because more believers will begin to stand up in faith because they have spent time in the presence of God. They have spent time meditating on the word of God and seeing who they really are in Christ. So you may not be committing fornication and adultery and all of those things, but there is a need to turn around in this season. There is a wake-up call. Who do you really believe? Says the Spirit of God. What do you really believe? Because this is the opportunity to shine forth. I went, I didn't know, the other day I went to the store, I didn't even realize that it was compulsory. Now when you go to the store, you have to use a face mask. 
Thank God I was having a chat with Sister Ekwi in the office before I went to the, to the store. And she told me, look, they don't want to allow you into the store without the face mask. I'm like, what? I do not like those things. Amen. And, and, and the truth is, you have to operate from where your faith is. I don't have a problem. By the way, everybody else is wearing a face mask. So, hey, if they're wearing a face mask, I don't need one, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I had to grab my scarf and I'm like, oh, no, Lord, this is not right. And sometimes I just like, because we're standing at the door. You can't enter. So I had my scarf thing, and when I got into the store, I was like, okay, I'm bringing a healing to all of you right now. Everybody that passes me, you are healed in Jesus' name. And I forgot about my scarf, and, you know, I, I let my scarf, I was doing my shopping, and I heard somebody say, ma'am, ma'am, please, your scarf. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I felt like, like, uh, like, like somebody from the Middle East, you know, <laughs> and all of that. Praise the Lord. You know, but we, 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 really, we really need to believe God and know that God is our covering. God is our protection. God is our healer. God is our help. And I'm not saying go out there and don't use a face mask or anything when they say you should. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is that even when you are using that face mask, is it because you are afraid or because you have to? Because ideally, the fragrance of our presence is God, and it should be healing people. And that's where we, God is calling us to. So in this place, that's where we need to be looking at what kind of mindset do we have. And that's what we are changing our minds about. And that's what repentance is all about. You know, I was listening to somebody, and he was saying that there's a pastor, if I mention his name. No, he's not a pastor. He's... Um, uh, one of the, uh, these people that have these Christian um, sh- um, programs, powerful Christian programs on healing and miracles and things like that. And he was saying that he himself even discovered that at this time that God was speaking to him and he had to do some repenting because he realized that when he would turn on the TV and he would see people, you know, pastors or people preaching, he's like, what are you wearing? So in other words, he was so judgmental. And God said to him, it's not about what they are wearing. What are they saying? Are they preaching right? Are they preaching my word? Now, if, they are, if what they are preaching is off, I can understand. But it's not about what they are wearing or how they are sounding. It's about what they are saying. You have to repent about those kind of judgmental attitude and looking at things that were not as important. Are we getting this? Because so sometimes we, 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 so this is a good time to do some heart searching and soul searching, like they would say, and really looking at certain things and how we are behaving in love with our family members. Because it's very easy to wake up in the morning and go to work all day and then come back. Just a few hours, you, you have to talk to them. But when some of us have to talk to them for <laughs> all day long, right? Every day, for how long have they been now? About a month. Then a lot will really come forth. And this is the time not to just go into the room and bang the door. This is the time to really face it. I'm a believer. How am I supposed to live in love with my husband, with my wife, with my children, or whoever it is that you're living in love with? Repentance. Repentance. Amen? 
And so he said, and if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now, there's been a lot of prayer going on from both believers and unbelievers alike. But if you notice what God said in this scripture, he didn't just say pray. He said, seek my face. Those are two different areas. Now, seeking the face of God could be a part of prayer. But, okay, prayer, seeking the face of God could be a part of prayer. But prayer is not always necessarily seeking the face of God. Because sometimes when people go to pray, especially in these times, I'm sure a lot of people, when they face trials and trouble, God help me, God help me, God help me. Jesus, Jesus, I'm covered by the blood. Jesus, Jesus. Pray, oh God, protect me, deliver me, help me. That's a whole bunch of praying. And many times there's a whole lot of those things going on. And you can call that seeking God's hands. You're looking for how he can help you, how he can provide for you, how he can heal you, protect you, deliver you, and all of those things. It's like what God can give me. But he's saying, I don't just want you in this time to look for what I can give you, how I can protect you, how I can heal you, how I can help you, but I want you face to face with me. I want you to know me like I know you, to seek my face. And a good thing about that is when you seek God's face, you will get what is in his hands. It comes with it. Amen? So God is saying, seek my face. And we see in scriptures, the Bible says that the people of Israel, they knew the acts of God. But Moses, he knew the ways of God. And seeking the face of God turns our attention and our direction to understanding God's ways. God wants us to know his ways. God, God wants us to know who he is. He wants us to understand why we give, why we bring our tithes, why we bring our offerings. He wants us to, to do it because we love him. He wants us to have that relationship where he talks to us and we talk to him. Where we have those kind of conversations where prayer is not a chore. Prayer doesn't feel like another chore, but because of that relationship, it's something that you are glad. Like David said, I was glad when they said unto me, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. And I thank God that after all of this blows over, people are going to understand that scripture. I was glad. I'm glad. Let's go to church. Let's go to church. <laughs> I was coming to church the other time and my little one is like, mom, you're going to church? I'm like, yeah, can I, like, am I not coming to church? I'm like, no, not yet. And he's like, I want to go to church. And I felt like, oh Lord, this is not happening. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, but it is well. And I know that at the end of the day, but we don't want to just get to a place where we want to come to church just because we have been kept away from church for a while. But it should be because we have such a relationship that it is our desire always to come to church, to the place of God where we can serve, where we can worship, where we can give, where we can fellowship with one another and just do the things that God will have us do together as his children. So he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, not only pray, but seek my face. Seek, a, seek a, 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 an intimate relationship with me, a personal relationship with me. That's what God wants from us, not just what we can get. And I want to encourage you that if that's the place that you have been in, just about what I can get, how I can get healed, there is healing in the presence of God, in that kind of fellowship. There is provision in the presence of God. Develop that relationship with God. 
See, there are things that I, I get from my husband now that I would not have gotten without the relationship I have with him. Amen? I won't get it because we don't have that kind of relationship, but because just because of that relationship that we have, I'm able to receive some things that others cannot receive. Amen? And so God is saying that we should seek his face in this time and turn from our wicked ways. He said if they will turn from their wicked ways, because he was saying that that means that there is a relationship between wickedness, sin, and the evil things that go on. He says if they will turn from their wicked ways, and we understand that and unbelief is also a wicked way. He says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Some translation says, I will heal their land. Now, one of the things that we need to always realize here, we can even see it here in healing and, and sin. There is a relationship between the forgiveness of sins and healing. Remember that scripture that we're always quoting every day, Psalm 107, he forgiveth all our iniquities, he healed all our diseases. Go check, it's so so much, so it's all over scriptures that the day that your sins were forgiven, that day you were healed. And that's one of the things that we need to always remember as new covenant believers. That if you believe that your sins have been forgiven, if you believe that you have made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you should know that you can receive your healing from any manner of sickness, disease. It doesn't matter what it is. If you believe that you are forgiven, if you believe that you are born again, then the same day that you were born again, you need to know that you also got healed, delivered, and God paid for your protection. He paid for your provision and everything that you will ever need. Amen? So he said, I'll forgive their sins. I will restore their land. I think we can read um, 15. Praise the Lord. He says, and my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer that is made in this place. And I want to remind us again that it's not just about a natural temple, but we need to understand that every prayer that we pray as born again believers, according to the word of God, that God hears us. He hears us. He said it right in 1 John 5, 14, that if we pray according to his will, we know that he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petition for which we have asked. Amen? So I believe that a lot of repentance is taking place in this time because people are having spending time with God, spending more time, they have more time. And in these times, it's going to reveal also something else that will be revealed in this time is whether you were, it's because you didn't have time that you were not spending time with God or whether you just didn't care so much for God. Because, you know, sometimes we have all of these excuses. Oh, I work so much. I don't have time to read. I don't have time to study. Even people who still go to work or people who, who are, or should I, people who work from home, now they have the commuting time, extra commuting time. What are you doing with that time? All of this, this season will reveal a lot to us. And it will be wise to look at it. Don't look at other people. Look at yourself and check so that that adjustment can be made. So God is saying this is a season of repentance, recovery, and recompense. Now, the definition, as I go on to recovery, the definition of recovery is one, to return to a normal state of, of, after a period 
of difficulty. A return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. The action or process of regaining possession or control of something lost or stolen. And I know how many of us know that this is a little this time that we are in is, is a difficult time. Some things have been lost, some things have been stolen. But God is saying it, saying that recovery is here. Amen. Recovery is here. Now, as a church, whether we like to admit it or not, or believe it, or understand it, we have been stolen from a number of things. I'm not going to go into all, but one of the things that we're stolen from, from us is the assembly of ourselves together. But a time is coming, and soon, very soon, we'll be back again together as a church, worshiping God in the same location. Amen? Now, I'm going to give you a definition of recompense as well, because as I began, begin to talk about recovery, it's going to be intertwined. Recompense has to do with compensation or reward given for loss or harm, suffered or effort made. And I want to add there my own definition, given also for our faith, the faith that you operate in during this time, you will be recompensed for it. Because God always rewards faith. Amen? So how are we going to receive all of this? How are we going to get into recovery? How are we going to enter into recovery? And, and it's very possible that, that we are working in all of these things at the same time. It's very possible to work in all of these things at the same time. Repent, recover, Get your reward, work in your reward. I know that as a church, we are getting some recompense. We are getting some reward. Hallelujah, because we are, we, are, we, are, we are signing contracts and checking things about our land and the things that God is saying that we should do in this season. All of those things have not stopped. We are still working on them because you, we are unstoppable. They that know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. And so even in the things that God is saying that we should do, we are not being stopped. Why? Because we are pressing in, we are pressing on, and we are pursuing. Please put up First Samuel chapter 30. We're going to look at this. Hallelujah. To press in is to, you continue on the path that you are in, and even stronger. You don't take a break. You don't miss a beat. You're pursuing. You're pressing in. Praise the Lord. I want to read a scripture here that talks about David and his men and some of the things that they lost and how they, they recovered. And one of the things, and I want, I'm saying that this is not just about us as individuals that God is saying. Our nation, this nation, and I said it two things. I said our nation, this nation. You know the nation, the church is a nation. Yes. This nation, the nations of the world, our nation, and I speak specifically about America because... I know that America was founded on Christian principles. I can't speak for any other that I do not know. Praise the Lord. But we, we see that as we begin to talk about recovery and recompense, that is, is we're looking at ourselves as individuals, we're looking at the church, and we're looking at the nations. And um, one of the things that we see that is going on is that people say, are saying all kinds of things. But what we as believers say is, makes a lot of difference. 
will matter a lot. So let's not join. And that's why we need to know what God's, God is saying. He's saying that we will recover. Some people are saying we will never recover. We will recover. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter what you hear in the media. The media is not where you should get your information from or get your direction from. You get your direction from the word of God. And God has said that when we pray, he will heal. Got to believe God. And so we have to, men- we have to, to maintain our confession. Now, our president is doing what he can to bring things back to normal. But it's not just about him. It's about the prayers that are going on behind closed doors that are backing, on the, backing up the decisions that he's making in public. Those are the things that really bring the recovery. And that's how we know that we will recover. Now, things have been set in motion in the spirit. There are some things that are set in motion that will not be changed. And I believe that some of the things that have been set in motion, are, are the, the awareness of the last of the last days is upon us. But there are some things that will change because the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes, people will be eating and drinking and doing everything as usual. So that's one way that you know that we're going to get back to usual. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You're not going to sit in your house forever and then Jesus is just going to come. And that's the reason why what we do now makes a whole lot of difference. So that by the time we get back to work and things as usual in the nations, your spiritual life will not go back to things as usual. We have to watch that. That the things that we have gained and changed that are positive, that we have grown in at this time, that we need to get better when every other person joins us in being normal. Because I don't know about you, I've been working in normalcy. And I'm preaching this message for those who are not there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And this comes by trusting in God. And so, yes, so the church is backing, backing up, backing up the, the things that, that the that the president is doing and all those that are out there that are doing to bring the nations back together. And for us as a church, God will have us not focus so much. Is this the end time or not? We need to know. But what did Jesus say? What we need to be focused on now is so winning. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Let's just put that up there. I wasn't going to read that today, but I think we should. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 1 from verse 6. The Bible talks about um, the former treatise. Okay, from verse 6. I'll read from verse 6. It says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, as this is after Jesus had rose from the dead. He said, he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So in other words, don't focus on, oh, is, this, is it coming now? Is it coming tomorrow? Ah, let me just keep. He said, the, what we should be focusing on, even the more, look at it. And you will be witnesses. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's why it's so important that where we are home right now, we're not whatsapping, looking at all the bad news, the bad clips, and all of those things, but we are finding ways to help those even on our contact list. You are, you are sending them encouraging words, or scriptures, or preaching, or making sure that the people in your lives are saved. You don't need to be where they are. You can give them a phone call. If there are people you know that are your friends, your, your, your family, your, you know, whoever they are, you know they are not saved. You know this is the time. 
you have more time now to call them and to tell them about Jesus, to help them to understand how to make heaven. Because, you know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if for this life alone we are saved, he says, we are of all men most miserable. So it's not just about the things that are going on around here, but there is an eternal future. There is an eternal life. And that's what we all need to be focusing on, both for ourselves and to help others to get there. Amen? So something had happened here in, this, in, the, in, the, in, um, in 1 Samuel 30, just put up verse 8 there, where the, the people, uh, David and his men, they had gone for business elsewhere. You know, business of those days was mostly wars and stuff like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know they farmed and stuff, but it was quite a bit of war <laughs> and things like that. And, and even the things that we are going through now, we are not even going through half as much as they used to do in those days. But he says they went one time, and when they came back, something had happened. I think I'll just read from, from verse 1. From verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that when David and his men were, three days later, when David and his men were, were arrived, arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziglag. They had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing them. Now, when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because of all his men who were bitter about now. <laughs> he has lost stuff, but now they're angry with him, so he was in danger. Wow. And very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, finally he remembered I had a God. Sometimes, I'll just I'll reserve that comment. <laughs> then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the effort. So Abiathar brought it, brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. And so David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook. Now, let me read from my, my um, translation. And David inquired of the Lord from verse 8, and the Lord saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered in pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Praise the Lord. He says, without fail, he says, but you have to pursue. You have to make a demand. We have to make a demand in this season. We have to make a quality decision not to sit down and feel overcome and feel helpless, but we have to pursue. We have to continue in the path towards the goal, towards the mark, pressing for the mark that God had given us originally. This is not the time to draw back. This is not the time to be discouraged. This is not the time to be afraid or to be concerned. But God said, pursue, press in. Press in. He said, you will surely recover all. You will overtake and you will recover all. Wow, wow, wow. There's a lot. The word overtake says that you will catch up and you will go beyond where you were before in achievement and production. Tell the person beside you, say, I will overtake. I will, overtake. I will catch up. 
I will go beyond where I was before in achievement and in production. Now, some of you already know this, that we're looking for a place, and we had this place that was a particular uh, number of acres of land, and we wanted it, and the people were making shakara. You know how they make shakara? They are just, you know, trying to say, okay, add more money, do this, do that, and all of that. But this is, we had, you know, there was a, we didn't want to pass a particular point. But through this process, we did not give up we continued pressing in, looking out. And in that same vicinity, God helped us to overtake, to catch up and overtake how? By giving us almost five times the very same land, the amount that we were asking for the other and for less money. When you don't lose your vision, you don't lose your focus, but you press in, you continue, God is promising you, he said, you will overtake and you will recover all. And with God, God doesn't just do like it was before. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can think, ask, or imagine. He said, press in, pursue, you will overtake, you will surely recover all. And that's what I believe that God is saying to us. And sometimes we look around and the nations of the world are looking at America and some are like, oh, America is falling. No, no. As long as we are here, as long as we keep saying what we, about our nation, we will overtake and recover and more. Amen. As a church, we need to keep saying it. We will overtake and recover. So in other words, the churches are going to get even more filled up because the people who forgot about churches will not remember that there is a church. That's God's promise to us. When we stay focused and we keep our eyes on the vision, we'll go beyond where we were. And this is about, you know, God has been talking to us about divine acceleration and quantum leaps. In the midst of trials and tribulation, God can help you take a quantum leap. That's what we did. When God gives you something that is five times more, and right now we are looking at it, it's up to us whether we have to do our due diligence, whether we totally accept it. We have all of that in place, but we want to make sure. And whatever the case, something we must always remember that God has more. God always has more. Hallelujah. So we're going to take quantum leaps of recovery in our marriages, not only in our finances, in our relationships, and otherwise, wherever it is, whatever circumstance or situation that it looks like was being held back, even the things that were not where they should have been before, where they should be, that you catch up to where you were and overtake and become better. Become better. People are saying, oh, all of these times that people are fighting. Now maybe they're going to make a lot of divorces because now people are spending more time together. (laughs) And they don't know what to do with each other. No. We say that more marriages are going to be mended. Especially in the church. Because now they're going to spend more time. The marriages that were falling apart before, they will be mended and they will recover. Amen? Amen. That's that's God's promise to us. They'll become better. The church will never be the same again. Because now we have been forced to expand. Some people, you'll be surprised that some people did not have any kind of internet access or things that they were doing. But now a lot of people have to look at it again. And so there's expansion going on. And whenever we are, you are in God, that 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 is your portion. That is our portion in God. 
but we must believe it. Now, if you look at that scripture that we're reading, jump to verse, I believe it's verse 11. Verse 11 there, are you, are we there? The Bible says that, but David pursued, yeah, that's good, 10. And he had, and he, he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind. Two were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. Wow, some people are weary, but go on, verse 11. Verse 11 says that they found an Egyptian in the field and they brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake, of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. It was not by chance that they left him behind. Hallelujah. He says, we made an invasion of the southern area of the, of the Cheritites in the territory which belongs to Judah and the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to his troop. And when he had brought, them, brought him down, where they were spread out over the land, eating and drinking and dancing. Because before I go further with that, I just want to mention that I said before that it was not by chance that that guy was, was there because this, as I'm, I'm telling you now, that is favor. Favor awaits you when you are pursuing. The favor you need awaits you. God has arranged it. He has planned it. And the Bible says that he's an Egyptian. In this season, God will use even the unbelievers. He will use companies and businesses, things that people you do not know, strangers. He has already put it on the path that as you continue and as you are pursuing, you will find favor that will help you to overtake and recover all. That was what that guy was doing on the road while David was pursuing. If David had drawn back or withheld or had not inquired of the Lord or had not continued in strength like 200 men, the other people did, he would not have met the favor that he met. But he continued, he pressed in, and God is calling us to continue and press in like before. Let's not have this mindset that will things be the same or how am I going to happen or things are just going to be more different. No, 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 no. With God, nothing has to change. Because he's Lord, he knows how to position you and strategize things in a way that you will overtake and recover all just as long as you are pursuing. That you're not giving up, that you're not backing down, you're not feeling like this thing is weighing so much on me. What am I going to do? We need to remember that our help comes from God. Amen? And the Bible says in verse 16, and when they had brought him down, there they were spread out all the land, eating and drinking their stuff, right? Dancing because of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Verse 17, then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Hallelujah! David recovered all, and God is saying, you will recover. We will recover. And those of us who understand, we are in the state of recovery, and we are strong. We are recovered. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! 
let's look at um let's look at real quick Hebrews chapter 6 this God's strategy remains the same in this time is the strategy of faith and so we're talking about recovery we're talking about recompense it says in Hebrews 11 verse 6 sorry that's Hebrews 6 Hebrews 11 6 so what God will reward in this season, when we're talking about recompense, I told you the definition of recompense, right? Is faith. He will reward faith. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so God is saying to us that as we stay in the place of faith, you know, the spirit of faith is that when you believe something, you say it. And diligently seeking God is not only believing in our heart, but we are speaking things we want to see. Please put 2 Corinthians 4, 13 up there. So the strategy that God has, number one, or maybe it's number two, you have to keep pursuing. Number one should be pursue. Then number two should be maintain the spirit of faith. Faith is a spirit. Faith is not something about psyching. How you want to know that you are walking in the spirit of faith, that you're walking in faith, is what you are saying. It doesn't matter what the circumstance, the situation is, you're always saying what God says about the situation. And sometimes people may look at you and say you are clueless, you are in denial, you don't care. But how is he going to help us if we are saying what we are seeing? <laughs> it's already happening. So the way to change it is to say what God is saying. And when you say what God is saying, you are the one telling the truth. Everybody else is a liar. And everybody else is weird. Because sometimes people feel weird when they are saying the right. Don't feel weird. If you're feeling weird, change your mind. This is the time to repent. If you're feeling weird when you're saying the right thing, when you're saying God's word, in the midst of, of, of people saying negative things, saying the contrary things, it's time to change your mind. You don't need to feel weird about it. In short, you should be happy that you can declare what God says. But it should not just be something that just you're just saying it, but it should be you believe and then you speak. 2 Corinthians 4.13. The Bible talks about we having the same spirit of faith. We believe and therefore we have spoken. See, let's, let me read it. It says, and since we have the spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So what you are saying will show what you are believing. There's no hiding about it. There's no two way about it. What you're saying will say what you're believing, will show what you're believing. And, in, and about situations that the media, the economics, the scientists, and all of those things, they have what they, they are saying. But we don't have to say what the media is saying. We are not called to say what the scientists are saying, what the doctors are saying. We are called to say what God says about the situation because that's the truth. Because the Bible says that no liar will enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you say what the economists are saying and the scientists are saying and the media is saying that is against the word of God, then you're a liar. Because the Bible says let God be true. And every man a liar. And we must understand something. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. We, we come from a different kingdom and we must operate as the ambassadors that we are. And ambassadors represent their country, their country's laws and rules and way of doing things, even when they are in the midst 
of another country's laws, ways of doing things. They maintain theirs. And that's what God is calling us to do, maintain who we are in the midst of a bad situation. Maintain who we are, whether anybody, doesn't matter what the nations are saying, what the people are saying, we say what God says. Our supreme authority, we say what he says. Amen? And so we maintain the spirit of faith. We maintain our confession at all times. Put up Hebrews 10, 35. We'll read from 35 to 37. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We need to repent. Hallelujah. Speak faith only. All right. Now, before, before I go forward... Okay, that's fine. Let's keep it. Hebrews 10, 35 says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. See? Confidence. Faith is confidence in God. The Bible says it has reward. For you have need of endurance. Some translations say patience. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that is coming will come and will not tarry. Praise the Lord. Now the just shall live by faith. For if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And we know that one of the things about pleasure when it comes to God is that the Bible says that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his saints. So if we want to see God, you know, when, when give God pleasure, we prosper. Amen? Or, and I mean, if, if we want to see our prosperity, then we need to give God pleasure by walking by faith. Praise the Lord. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Put up Job 22. Job chapter 22 from verse 23 to 29. I'm going to read that. Hallelujah. Now we see here that it says in Job 22, 22 from verse 23. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up, thou shalt put away iniquity from thy tabernacles. This is kind of seeing everything again together. Repentance, recovery, recompense. It says, if thou shalt return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up, thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Then thou shalt lay up gold as dust. Hallelujah. And the gold of offer as the stones of the brooks, 25, yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. For then thou shalt have thy delight in the Almighty, and, and shall lift up thy face unto God. For thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Then shalt, thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established Unto thee. Now, I, I want to pause there before I continue reading from verse 28. That sometimes we, when we declare things and we are speaking things, we need to remember that the reason why those things come to pass is because of our righteousness. There is a relationship between the righteous being the righteousness of God and the things that you are decreeing coming to pass. And for us as believers, you will need to believe in the righteousness of God that we have been made. So that when we are speaking things, we expect it to come to pass. Not just because somebody said, but we actually expect it. And so he says that, that thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. 
When men are cast down, then thou shalt say there is a lifting up. Hallelujah. And he shall save the humble person. And we know that humility is submitting to the word of God. It's not hanging your head in shame and being humiliated. No. Humility is saying what God says. When you want to see a proud person, a proud person says, I'm calling a spade a spade. I'm calling it what it is. And they are not talking about the word of God. They are talking about their negative situation. But the Bible says that a person who is humble, he says what God says. And the Bible says this is the man that will be saved. He says, he shall deliver the island of the innocent and is delivered by the pureness of thine hands. And we know that that's, that means for us as believers, depending on, on the finished work of Christ. Now, a major area about prayer, I have to say this, a major area about prayer that we should never forget is speaking. Because when we go before God many times, there's a lot of bombarding, a lot of praying in tongues, which is good, awesome. But when you begin to pray in English, it should not just be God, help me, give me this, forgive me for that. Praise the Lord. After a while, after you've done all of that, it's time for you to turn around because God has done it in Christ. You ask for, you say, thank you, Lord, I receive. Then you begin to call those things. Call them in. That's the spirit of faith. Call in the things that you need. Call in the money. Call in the job. Call in the healing. Call in the, the, the good marriage. Call in the good relationship. Call it in. Whatever you need, begin to declare it. Begin to speak what God says about it, about your children, about your home, about your spiritual life. Begin to declare it. That's the spirit of faith. And that's a major area of prayer. And as we go through our days, we begin to say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the head, I'm not the tail. I'm above, I'm not beneath. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. So body, you are healed. Body, you are well. Body, you are strong. Money is coming to me from expected places, unexpected places, from businesses, corporations, from expected people. Favor surrounds me as a shield. I'm walking in the path of righteousness. Hallelujah. There is so much that God says about you and I. This is what we should put in our mouth. My home is blessed. My husband is blessed. My children are blessed. I am the blessed. My surroundings are blessed. Everything is working together for my good. Things are getting better around here. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you will not lack prayer. You will not lack something to say. And things. And the good thing about it is that you'll be a happier person. <laughs> because the reason why people are depressed and dejected and feeling bad because they are saying the wrong things. I'm getting angry now. I'm so upset. I feel so frustrated. I'm tired about all. You will begin to experience it. And people don't know that there is a relationship between what they are saying. Even when the enemy tries to bring thoughts about you, you change the thoughts even by what you are saying. That's the spirit of faith. It's not just going about saying, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. Show me your faith by your works. And speaking is part of the work of the believer because God has called us and made us to be speaking spirits. Hallelujah. So God has called us and made us to be speaking spirits. And the Bible says that even when men are saying that there is a casting down, we will say that there is a lifting up. And we don't have to feel embarrassed about it or feel like, oh, you don't care. Why are you rejoicing in the midst of this? Because that's what God says. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and trials. Isn't that what he said? Yep. That's what he said. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm, I'm rounding up this, but I want us to begin to be in expectance. That even after this time, that there is favor awaiting us. And I would like to read from 2 Kings again. 2 Kings uh, chapter 8 from verse 1 to 6. 2 Kings chapter 8 from verse 1 to 6. We see this woman that had been so good to, to um, Elisha. You know, if you read the scriptures, you know about this woman. And then there was a famine, and Elisha told her about it because she had been good to him. And that's one thing that happens when you stay in faith. You, you are giving, you know, through all circumstances, you honor those you should honor. You honor the word, you honor God. And she was giving to this man of God because she honored him. She honored the things of God. And he was able to tell her, look, there's a famine coming. I need you to go. Why don't you go somewhere? She went. After the famine was over, she came back. And the Bible says that. Then Elisha spoke unto the son who has restored to life, saying, Then Elisha, then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go thou and thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord had called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household, and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass that at the seven years' end, that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines, and she went forth to cry to the king for her house and for her land. And we know that, you know, sometimes when you leave things, after a while, people will try to enter. When there is famine, people always try to take other people's stuff. <laughs> so they probably had already encroached on her land and everything. That's why she had to go to the king. And the Bible says that, you see, that's how God sets us up. That just as the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha had done. And it came to pass that as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that behold, the woman, talk about timing, whose son he had restored to life, cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, my lord, O king, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the fruit of the field since the day that she left the land, even until now. Hallelujah. And that's, what, that's, that's restitution. Restoration, restitution, what she should have had. So she didn't miss anything. With God, you don't miss anything. With God, you don't miss anything. The Bible says that even what she should have had, give her everything. And that's what God is saying, that if we will believe him in this season, we will come out with silver, with gold. We'll come out with houses, with lands, with businesses. In fact, more business than you had before. More business deals. <laughs> Hallelujah. You will come, you will be, the, what, what you didn't even work for, it's still working for you. As long as you believe in God and you are speaking it out of your mouth and then you will reap all the harvest together because we are still in the season of quantum leaps and divine acceleration. But all of those manifestations come to those who believe it. And we believe it. Do you believe it? Yeah. Hallelujah. We believe it. But finally, I want to say um, First Corinthians 15, verse 19. We're going to read from 15, uh, 19 to 22. As I round up this morning. That we've talked about 
so many things and a lot of things that are, people are concerned about are the things that they are con- that are um, material things. And that's good. But we've also talked about, which I want to leave us with, to keep at the very forefront of our minds that we are here for a purpose and there is more to this life and things. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 15, 19, you can go back and read the whole thing. Everything is just nice, but I'll just read this in closing. It says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And so the biggest thing that we know that is being recovered and throughout eternity from now to eternity, is our spiritual life. Is the fact that we are raised up together with Christ. That's why one of the things that we, 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 we want to we wanna look at, even as we're looking at getting back to, 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 to business as usual, getting back to good things, the good things of life, we need to rejoice more about the fact that our spiritual lives are better. Praise the Lord. That we are sure about where we are going after this life. We need to rejoice about the fact that we have helped people come in. And maybe you, you are, you're listening to this message, is in this time that you got saved. The biggest thing is not the car or the money or the houses that you will ever receive, but it's the fact that you've received eternal life. Because everything else is going to be burnt to crisp. But the only thing that will last for eternity is our salvation, Hallelujah. our spirit that will be with God for all eternity. Amen? Is that not something to rejoice about? Hallelujah. So let's rejoice this morning. Thank you, Father Lord. We thank you for your divine recovery, restoration, restitution, provision. We thank you. And we say that we change our minds from directions that we're going that was wrong. Now we have chosen to walk in your ways. And as we're walking in your ways, we are decreeing things and we are seeing them manifest. We are seeing them come to pass. Lord, we are walking as light in this dark world. And at the end of this time, we will be together with you in eternity. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We're going to take our building fund tonight, this afternoon. Praise the Lord. And if you didn't have the opportunity to give your offering the first time, take this as an opportunity and sow. Because one of the things about sowing is that this is, this is how we, we receive. This is how we receive back all of the things that God is saying, that it connects our faith. It connects us to God. It's our faith. It's our step of faith, our seed of faith. Not that, that God is looking to buy. No, 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 no. But he's saying we believe God. And as we are building our, our, our building, praise the Lord this time, if God leads you to give $1 million, $2 million, praise the Lord. You know, I'm saying this because I'm seeing millionaires right now. You might look at yourself and say, oh, me? Are you talking to me? Well, yeah, you. Because if God is saying that we are going to catch up to where you were before and overtake Wow. <laughs> and recover everything. God does exceedingly abundantly above all. I believe God. I believe God. So just sow your seed. 
you know, either you can either send it through the mail, as you see there, or you can send it through Zelle on the number on your screen or through PayPal and just begin to thank God. So I want to pray real briefly for us because, Lord, because as we connect with our building, with a physical building that we are building, God, God, God builds our house as well. So, Father, Lord, I just thank you. I feel it in my heart to, to pray for, for families right now, to pray for homes, people in homes, people who, who their families are not right right now and things are not the way they should be, people who are looking to have homes, not just homes, the, the physical house, that, and also to have husbands and have wives and have children. Father, Lord, we thank you right now that as this seed is sowing, that there is a way that is made on the way, that as they are pressing in, with this seed right now, that there is a manifestation, that there is a manifestation. We say, somebody may say, how in this lockdown, how do I meet that man? How do I meet that woman? Well, watch and see. Watch and see. Because I feel, I see it strongly in, in my spirit that if you can believe that all things are possible. Some will come out of this lockdown engaged <laughs> to be married. Hallelujah. Some will come out of this lockdown pregnant when they've been believing God. Because as we sow this seed, we're releasing our faith for buildings, physical buildings, and for homes to be built in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you and we'll see you another time. Bye. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of God. Let's just take our building fund here. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise for giving us Jesus. And we call it back many for.